Good morning, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and then is to come. You are holy and almighty and, and eternal and unchanging. As we look at you, we see ourselves differently so we confess our sins. We confess those things we said and did and thought this week we ought not to have. And we confess those things that we should have done that we didn't, Lord, forgive how thankful we are that you are a forgiving God who seeks and saves the lost. Thank you for saving us, and thank you for forgiving us, and thank you for giving us your spirit, and thank you for three people professing faith in you this week. Thank you. We pray that they would become disciples and disciple makers. Thank you for 7,823 boxes put together in this area. And we pray as those boxes are distributed around the world that many kids around the world would be one to faith in you. And they would become disciples who could make others and the, the gospel would be spreading throughout the world. We're here today because we need you. You know our needs. The things that keep us awake at night meet our needs. And as we open your word together today, teach us. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Before we get to our main passage today, which is going to be in Genesis, we're going to just stop for just a moment at a, at a book called Colossians chapter 3. If you're new, welcome. We believe the Bible is God's word. We love to open it up together and get to know Jesus together in his word. And in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, the Bible says, Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. So whatever you do, if you're a homemaker, a truck driver, a nurse, a physical therapist, a lawyer, whatever you do, do it with all your heart for Jesus. Oh, this morning, uh, you, you ever get discouraged about your work? You think my work really doesn't matter, it doesn't make a difference? I've got some really good news for you today. What we're going to focus on today, the point of the message today, is that our work matters to Jesus. Did you know that? That huge part of our lives that we spend working, our work matters to Jesus. And then the reverse of that is that Jesus matters to our work. Do you think of that, that when we go to work, do we realize that our work really does matter to Jesus? And if we're Christians and Jesus is our Lord and we're following him, are we following him in the workplace? Do we understand how Jesus matters in the workplace? That's what we're going to learn about today, and it's going to be so encouraging. I want to introduce you to a friend of mine. His name is Joseph. His name is Joseph, and Joseph is such a picture. If you wonder, what would it look like what would it look like if we believe that our work matters to Jesus and Jesus matters to our work? Joseph is such a picture of that. And I want to encourage you. He wasn't an apostle. He wasn't a preacher. He was a slave. He was a, he was a hospital, or I mean, he was a prison administrator, and he was, he was a government official, but he understood and went to work every day knowing that his work mattered to Jesus and Jesus matters to work. And that's what we're going to learn about today. Now we're going to go to our main passage, which is Genesis 41. Uh, we're going to spend time with my friend Joseph. But let me set it up for you a little bit. If you're new, 
This year, we've been walking through Genesis together, and we've learned the Bible is one story. God has a plan to save the world, and here's his plan. He chose Abraham and said, I will bless you and then make you a blessing to all the world. So God's plan to save the world is to bless a people and then to work through that people to bless the whole world. And he said to Abraham, one of your descendants, Jesus, will bring salvation to the nations. We're a part of that. We know Jesus. We're a blessed people, and we're here to be a blessing. And so we're getting to know my friend Joseph, and God deployed him to Egypt. God's plan from the beginning was to bless all the nations, so God has deployed Joseph to Egypt to bless Egypt. And the main way that Joseph blesses Egypt is in the in the workplace. It's in the workplace that Joseph makes such a difference. So we're starting out, Genesis 41, verse 1, Joseph is in prison, not for doing what's right, but for doing what, I mean, not for doing what's wrong, but for doing what's right. He was thrown into prison for refusing to engage in immorality. We pick up the story. <clears throat> now, what happened at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream, and behold, he was standing by the Nile. Two years? It was two years earlier that Joseph had interpreted dreams for a cupbearer and a baker, and the cupbearer said, I will remember you, but he had forgotten. So for two years, Joseph has been praying for this day that he could get out of prison. Now it happened at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream, and behold, he was standing by the Nile. I've got some competition. <laughs> and lo, from the Nile, there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed in the marsh grass. Then, behold, seven other cows came up after them from the Nile, ugly and gaunt. And they stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile. The ugly and gaunt cows ate up the seven sleek and fat cows. Then Pharaoh awoke. He fell asleep and dreamed a second time. And, behold, seven ears of grain came up on a single stalk, plump and good. Then, behold, seven ears, thin and scorched by the east wind, sprouted up after them. The thin ears swallowed up the seven plump and full ears. Then Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Now in the morning his spirit was troubled, so he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. And Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was no one who could interpret them to Pharaoh. Then the chief cupbearer spoke to Pharaoh, saying, I would make mention today of my own offenses. Pharaoh was furious with his servants, and he put me in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard, both me and the chief baker. We had a dream on the same night. He and I, each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now a Hebrew youth was with us there, a servant of the captain of the bodyguard, and we related them to him, and he interpreted our dreams for us. To each one he interpreted according to his own dream. And just as he interpreted for us, so it happened. He restored me in my office, but he hanged him. The, the cupbearer says, I forgot, I forgot. There was this guy, Joseph, I forgot to tell you. 
We had these dreams, and he interpreted them for us. There is someone who can interpret dreams. Then Pharaoh sent and called for Joseph, and they hurriedly brought him out of the dungeon. And when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came to Pharaoh. Boy, being clean was very important to the Egyptians, and shaving was very important, so they cleaned him up first. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, but no one can interpret it. And I have heard it said about you that when you had a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph then answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. So here's Joseph in the workplace talking about the one true God to the most powerful person on earth, Pharaoh. No, it's not true that I can interpret dreams, but I know someone who can. His name is God. You see, right there in the workplace, Joseph is having a gospel conversation. So Pharaoh spoke to Joseph, In my dream, behold, I was standing on the bank of the Nile, and behold, seven cows, fat and sleek, came up out of the Nile, and they grazed in the marsh grass. Lo, seven other cows came up after them, poor and very ugly and gaunt, such I had never seen for ugliness in all the land of Egypt. Don't you like that? Uh, they were ugly and gaunt, such as I had never seen for ugliness in all the land of Egypt. And the lean and ugly, ugly cows ate up the first seven fat cows. Yet when they had devoured them, it could not be detected that they had devoured them, for they were just as ugly as before. Then I, also, then I saw also my dream, and behold, seven ears full and good came up on a single stalk. And lo, seven ears withered thin and scorched by the east wind sprouted up after them, and the thin ears swallowed the seven good ears. Then I told it to the magicians, but there was no one who could explain it to me. Now Joseph said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's dreams are one and the same. God has told a Pharaoh what he is about to do. So we have, we have Joseph talking to the most powerful person on earth, teaching him about the one true God. There is a God, and he's revealed himself to Pharaoh, and he's revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one and the same. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years, and the seven thin ears scorched by the east wind will be seven years of famine. It is as I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown to Pharaoh what he's about to do. Isn't this amazing? Joseph, a, a slave, a jail administrator, is now talking about the one true God to the most powerful person on earth. Didn't God say, I will bless you and in you? All the nations of the earth will be blessed. Behold, seven years of great abundance are coming in all the land of Egypt. And after them, seven years of famine will come, and all the abundance will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. And the famine will ravage the land, so the abundance will be unknown in the land because of that subsequent famine, for it will be very severe. Now as for the repeating of the dream to Pharaoh twice, it means that the matter is determined by God, and God will quickly bring it about. Now let Pharaoh look for a man discerning and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh take action to appoint overseers in charge of the land and let him exact a fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt, the seven years of abundance. Then let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain for food in the cities under Pharaoh's authority and let them guard it. Let the food become 
as a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine which will occur in the land of Egypt so that the land will not perish during the famine. So he says, God's revealed what he's about to do. Here's what's about to happen, and here's what you should do. He gave him instruction of how Egypt could prosper during the famine. But have you noticed the dreams and uh, Joseph kind of go together? Have you noticed that, that Joseph had two dreams? Remember, he had dreams that his brothers and sisters would bow down, and then later the cupbearer, the cupbearer and the baker would have dreams, and now Pharaoh. What's with all these dreams? Look at what the New Testament says in the book of Hebrews. In Hebrews 1.1, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and many prophets and in many ways, in the Old Testament, Joseph was 400 years before the first books of the Bible were written. So Joseph was 400 years before Moses wrote the Pentateuch. So God is not silent, so God revealed himself to people. And how did he reveal himself to people? One of the ways God revealed himself was through, was through dreams. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, and in the New Testament, the last days are the days between Jesus' first and second coming. In these last days has spoken to us and his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Now God normally speaks to us through Jesus and through his word. Jesus has come. What Jesus did has been written down. So if we want to know God, it's not primarily through dreams, but it's through meeting Christ in his word. Back to the story. Now, the proposal seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his servants. Then Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this in whom is a divine spirit? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has informed you of all this, there is no one so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house. And according to your command, all my people shall do homage. Only in the throne I will be greater than you. Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Talk about rising quickly, right? He went from the, he went from the jailhouse to the castle, didn't he? He, he went all the way from the, from the prison to the palace real, real quick, didn't he? And as he rises, doesn't that give you a picture of Jesus? Wouldn't Jesus go from what? He would go from the cross, wouldn't he? He would go from the cross, the grave, to, to being seated at the Father's right hand, wouldn't he? Um, man. In Proverbs, I love this verse in Proverbs. Doesn't this describe Joseph? In Proverbs 22, 29, do you see a man skilled in his work? He will, he will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. Joseph was an amazing worker, and he was gifted by God. And when he used his gifts in the workplace, you know what? He was elevated as second in command of all of Egypt. Do you see a man skilled in his work? He will stand before kings. That's what Joseph did. He will not stand before obscure men. Then Pharaoh took off his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and clothed him in garments of fine linen and put the gold necklace around his neck. The ring, the clothes, the necklace, they were all emblems of office and rank. 
of office and rank that Joseph was made second in command. He had him ride in his second chariot, and they proclaimed before him, Bow the knee. And he set him over all the land of Egypt. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, Though I am Pharaoh, yet without your permission, no one shall raise his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh named him Joseph Zaphonoth Panah, and he gave him Asenoth, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, as his wife, and Joseph went forth over the land of Egypt. In Luke 16, Notice what Jesus said. He says, he who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. One of the things that really impresses me as Joseph as a worker is no matter where he worked, he was faithful. He was faithful in Potiphar's house, wasn't he? He was faithful in prison, wasn't he? And because he was faithful in prison, because he was faithful in little, he was made what? He was given a high, high position, wasn't he? Are we like that? Do we carry out every task at work do, do, in a way that's faithful? Do we? Because Jesus says if we're faithful in little, we'll be faithful in much. Back to the story. Now Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Um, 30, anybody remember how old he was when he was sold as a slave? He was 17. So when his brothers sold him, he was 17. So it's been 13 years now. The time in, uh, the time in, time in Potiphar's house, the time in prison, 13 years. How much of, was it in prison? At least what? At least two years, because two years before is when uh, he interpreted the dreams. 30 years old when he was elevated. And by the way, how old was Jesus when he began his public ministry? He was, he was 30, isn't it? Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt. During the seven years of plenty, the land brought forth abundantly. So he gathered all the food of these seven years which occurred in the land of Egypt and placed the food in the cities. He placed in every city the food from its own surrounding fields. Thus Joseph st stored up grain in great abundance like the sand of the sea, until he stopped measuring it, for it was beyond measure. Now before the year of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph, whom Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, bore to him. Joseph named the firstborn Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my trouble in my father's household. So he named his first son Forgot. He named the second Ephraim, for he said, God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. So he named his second son Fruitful. And I thought, isn't that the gospel? What is the gospel that we are forgiven, right? And what does it mean to be forgiven? God says, I will remember your sins no more, right? That he forgets our sins. And then he says, listen, I chose you that you might bear fruit. Are we not forgotten and fruitful in, in Christ? When the seven years of plenty, which had been in the land of Egypt, came to an end, and the seven years of famine began to come, just as Joseph had said, then there was famine in all the lands. But in all the land of Egypt there was bread. So when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried out to Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph, whatever he says to you, you shall do. I will bless you. And you shall be a blessing to all the nations. So guess what's happening? All the nations are coming to who? They're all coming to 
Joseph, right? And they're coming to Joseph. Why? Because Joseph was faithful in his work, wasn't he? When the famine was spread over all the face of the earth, then Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians. And the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. The people of what? All the earth. What did God say to Abraham? And in you, what? All the nations of the earth will be blessed. Don't we see a picture of that right here? The blessing of the nations through one of Abraham's descendants, the people of all the earth, came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe in all the earth. Our work matters to Jesus, and Jesus matters to our work. And I want you to know our work matters because work is a threefold ministry. It's a threefold ministry. There's the ministry of work, the ministry to work, and the ministry at work. And most Christians only think of the ministry at work. <clears throat> most Christians don't think that their work is ministry. They only think that if they have a conversation at work about Jesus, that matters. But no, Joseph is a model for us of the ministry of work and to work and at work. And you say, well, what is the ministry of work? that God has gifted each of us. And when we use our gifts to serve others in our work, that is ministry. Take Joseph. Joseph was gifted with the ability to interpret dreams. Joseph was gifted with administration. Joseph was gifted in leadership. And when he used his gifts in Potiphar's house, when he used his gifts in prison, and when he used his gifts in Pharaoh's house, that was ministry. Matter of fact, Joseph using his gifts, what? In the workplace, saved what? Every person on earth, didn't it? Wasn't it Joseph using his gifts that enabled there to be food in the house so people could come and eat and live? So, <clears throat> each of us is gifted, and when we use our gifts to serve others in the workplace, that is ministry. Next, there is the ministry to work. Listen, God wants us to go into the workplace and renew the workplace, to renew the workplace. And isn't that what Joseph did? When Joseph went into the workplace, he, he blessed the workplace by renewing it. Take in Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife was trying to get him to engage in immorality, and he said no, so he made the workplace more moral. When he was in the jailhouse and when he worked with Pharaoh, he worked with honesty and integrity, and by doing so, he was renewing the workplace, making it a more beautiful place. And so we're deployed by Jesus into our workplace, and part of our ministry is to renew the workplace, to renew it. And then there is the ministry at work. And that's what we usually think about when at work we have an opportunity for a gospel conversation. And because Joseph knew that his, his work mattered to Jesus and Jesus mattered to his work, and because he did the ministry of work and to work, he had opportunities for ministry at work. He said, listen, I can't interpret dreams, but I know a God who can. He said, God has revealed to you what he's about to do. And so God deploys us into the workplace too so that we might have open doors for gospel conversations with others. 
So what we've learned so far is that our work matters to Jesus and Jesus matters to our work. And what that means is our work matters because it's a threefold ministry. It's a ministry of work, using our gifts to serve. It's a ministry to work. We're in the workplace to renew the workplace. There's the ministry at work. We're there to, to share Christ with others. So let's uh, <clears throat> turn a corner here. And the action step for this week, what I really want you to do this week is I want you to work for Jesus. Wouldn't that change the way we think of work if we thought that we're going to work to work for Jesus? But I want you to know, before you can work for Jesus, you must allow Jesus to work for you. Are, are you willing to let Jesus work for you? Well, well, what do you mean? Isn't that what the gospel says? In Ephesians 2, verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Before we can work for Jesus, we must let Jesus work for us. That's the gospel. See, the word gospel means good news, but there's some bad news. What is the bad news of the gospel? Here's the bad news. The problem with good works is the good works don't work. What? Most people I know, I say, well, what's your plan to get to heaven? And most people tell me that I'm a good person. Most people think the way to get right with God is to be good. I'm, I'm a good person. Most people seem to understand that God has a pair of scales in his hands. And if our good deeds outweigh our bad deeds, God's going to say, come on in. But if our bad deeds outweigh our good deeds, well, we try and not think that. But I want you to know that's not it. The problem with good works is good works don't work. What do I mean? Listen, if someone robs your house and they stand before God or before a judge, you don't want the judge to weigh their good deeds against their bad deeds, do you? You want the judge to say what? You broke the law and you ought to be punished. <laughs> and so all of us. We've broken God's law over and over again. We've sinned against God. We could never do enough good works to outweigh what we've done wrong. We've sinned against a God who's just, and he must punish sin. So what do we do? We can't do anything. See, the bad news is that good works don't work. The good news is we're saved by grace, not by works. We're saved by faith, not by works. We're saved by what Jesus did, not ours. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. See, salvation is a gift of God. It's not a result of works so that no one may boast. God the Son put on flesh and came to earth. You ever think about that? That, that Jesus knows what it's like to work because he worked. He lived on earth for 33 years. Not only that, but he lived a perfect life for us. And then he went to the cross and died in our place. So he took our sins upon himself. He experienced the justice of God so we could experience the grace of God. Jesus took all of our sins. He died in our place. And then he rose on the third day, proving he had conquered sin and death. And he offers us salvation. Do you hear that word? Isn't that what we long for? For by grace you have been saved. Well, saved from what? Saved for what? We've been saved from sin. 
from the guilt of sin and the penalty from sin. We've been saved from sin. We've been saved from wasting our lives and wasting our eternity. We've been saved for forgiveness, for doing life with Jesus, for doing eternity with him. And how are we saved? By faith, right? For by grace you have been saved through faith. Have you ever put your faith in Christ? And that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. You ever receive the gift? Not as a result of works so that no one may boast. Well, Smiley, what is this saving faith? Saving faith is really simple. We love to say it's as simple as ABC, where we admit and then believe and commit. Saving faith begins when we admit, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And if you've never done that, won't you do that even now? And then we believe, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose again. Won't you believe? And then we commit. Jesus, instead of trusting in my good works, I'm going to trust what you did for me. I want you to be my Savior. I want you to forgive me and give me eternal life, won't you? I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. And if you will, he will. And listen, if you have, don't miss this, for by grace you've been saved through faith. If you put your faith in Christ, you're saved. And that not of yourselves is the gift of God. You have the gift, not as a result of work, so that no one may boast. Now don't miss this. That's Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. We've been saved by faith. We've not been saved by good works. But look at verse 10. We have been saved for good works. For we are his workmanship. Are you a Christian? See the word workmanship? It's the Greek word poema, which means we're his poem. Do you ever think of that? That you're unique. There is no one on earth like you. We're all his special poem. That means we're all gifted differently. We all have unique gifts and abilities. We are his workmanship, his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works. God has gifted us for good works. There's things we can do that no one else can do, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Listen to this, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Don't we see that with Joseph? He was gifted, right? He had the gift of interpreting dreams, and he was gifted in administration and leadership because God had good works for him, and he's got good works for us. One of the things that should be so exciting about a Christian is that we get to discover the good works that God has created us for. And a very important part of those good works that God has prepared us for is for our work because that's a huge part of our lives. So let's go back to where we started this morning. We started in Colossians 3. Remember when I started two hours ago? Remember? In Colossians 3, verse 16, notice how this passage that we're going to roll toward work starts with, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Did you know that the book of Colossians and Ephesians, did you know they're sister epistles? Have you ever read them? Do you know they're the same? That, that Ephesians and Colossians go together. The first part of Ephesians and Colossians, the first half is all gospel, and the second half of both of them is how the gospel changes everything in life. You ever notice that? And in Ephesians chapter 5, the Bible says, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And then it says, when people are filled with the Spirit, it changes everything in their lives. It changes their fellowship. It changes their worship. It changes their family, and it changes the workplace. But isn't it interesting in Colossians, it's not be filled with the Spirit, it's to be filled with what? With God's Word. 
Did you know that being filled with the Word of God and being filled with the Spirit of God are the same things? Here it says what? Let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you. And he's going to go on and say, when we're filled with God's Word, it changes everything. It changes our fellowship. It changes our worship. It changes our families. It changes the workplace. And isn't that why we're here today? Don't we gather on Sunday mornings? Because we want the Word of Christ to richly dwell within us. Isn't that why we gather in small groups and open up the Bible together so what? The Word of Christ can richly dwell within us. Isn't that why we encourage you, provide the study so you could wake up each morning and let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you? Because if we're going to work for Jesus, it's only going to happen when what? When the Word of Christ richly dwells within us. So what happens when someone's filled with the Spirit? Or what happens when someone has the Word of Christ richly dwelling within them? It changes everything. With all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, we gather in fellowship and we minister to one another, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. We gather and we sing praises to God. Now I love this. Whatever you do, whether it's worship or family or work, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And I could read the verses that deal with family, but I'll skip over that because we're learning about work today. So in verse 22, we continue, Slaves, in all things obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Smiley. There were slaves then? There was, there was slavery in the Roman Empire. Well, why didn't God condemn it? Know what God did is God sent Christians out to share the gospel. Know what happened as Christians shared the gospel? Slaves were one to Christ. And, and masters were one to Christ. And eventually, slaves and masters ended up in the same churches. And often in a church, you'd have a slave who was an elder, a leader, and you'd have a, a, a master who was a a member, and they said, this is dumb. And slavery was eliminated from the Roman Empire through the spreading of the gospel. So let's, let's change slave to employee, okay? Employee, in all things obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. This week, don't work for your boss, work for Jesus. Whatever you do, Whatever you do, homemaker, truck driver, dentist, whatever you do, do your work heartily with your whole heart. So many Christians I know are, are always trying to figure out what they should do. And, and the Bible seems to say that the way we work is way more important than what we do. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. So this week, when the word of Christ richly dwells within you and you go out to work, remember the ministry of work. God has gifted you, and when you use your gifts to serve others, that's ministry. Now imagine this. There's a family over here, and they're praying, give us this day, what, our daily bread. And know what's happening over here? There's a farmer. And know what he's doing? He's growing food, right? And over here, there's a trucker who's transporting food. And over here, there's a grocer who puts it on the shelves. So as they're praying, give us this day, these people are the answer to their prayers, right? Isn't that ministry? Isn't it? 
A family over here is praying for their child who's sick, right? They're praying that their child would get better. And who's over here but a nurse or a doctor or a physical therapist? Are they not the answer to the prayer that someone is praying? That's what happens when we use our gifts to serve others. That's ministry. It's ministry. And it matters because we're working for Jesus. For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. He says, listen, if, if people lie and cheat and steal at work, they're going to pay a price. So now he's moving from the ministry of work to the ministry to work. That when you go to work, you're there to renew the workplace. Did you know that Jesus is coming back? And when Jesus is coming back, he's going to make all things new, including the workplace. And so right now, he sends you into the workplace so you give people just a little picture of what work will be like on the new earth. Did you know that? You're deployed to renew the workplace so that when people come where you work, they get a little picture of the new earth. Well, what would that look like? In St. John's County, all we have to do is go to the DMV, don't we? The joke of almost every county in America is what? the Department of Motor Vehicles. But in our county, because there's a Christian influencing the workplace, you can go into the Department of Motor Vehicles and it's what? It's a pleasant experience. You know why? Because there's someone who's doing the ministry to work. He's renewing the workplace and you get a little taste of that here. You say, well, how can I do that? Um, know what percentage of all affairs began in the workplace? Anybody want to venture a guess? 85%. 85% of the affairs in, the work, in, in people's lives begin in the workplace. And what did Joseph do in the workplace? What did he do? He what? He fled immorality, didn't he? You do know what the seventh commandment is, right? You shall not commit adultery. If you go to work and you don't have an affair... You're part of making the workplace a more moral place, aren't you? Let's move to the next commandment. You ever wonder what percentage of thefts in a business are from employees? Anybody want to venture a guess? 75%. 75% of the thefts in business are caused by the other employees. So listen, if you go to work and you don't steal from your employer... You're renewing the workplace, right? Isn't that it? That is the Eighth Commandment, right? You shall not, what? Steal. How about the Ninth Commandment? You shall not bear false witness. You go to work, and you work with honesty and integrity. You know what? When you're obeying the Eighth, Seventh, Eighth, and Ninth Commandments by your faith in Christ, you're a part of renewing the workplace. You're giving people a picture, what? Of what the new earth will be like. If you're an employer, masters, employers, grant to your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. If you're an employer, can your employees tell you know Jesus? I mean, you're just different because they can tell you as an employer, you have a master over you. Uh, We're in the workplace to carry out the ministry of work, the ministry to work. And now let's talk about the ministry at work. I mean, do do you want to, to have opportunities at work to point others to Jesus? Listen, devote yourselves to prayer. 
keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. This week, if we want to work for Jesus, let's get up and let the word of Christ richly dwell within us. Wow, I have a ministry, the ministry of and to and at work. And then do we pray? Do we pray before and during and after work? Lord, I'm so thankful for a job. I'm so thankful I have a ministry. I'm so thankful you care about my work. And I want to take you into the workplace. <laughs> Do you pray before, during, and after work? Are you thankful for your work? Devote yourselves to prayer. Keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Praying at the same time for us as well that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ. Do you pray that every day? That as I go to work, help me to carry out the ministry of work and to work. And oh Lord, I pray that you would open up opportunities for gospel conversations at work. Open up the door. Do you pray? And then do you go looking for them? For which I have also been in prison that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. And Lord, when the door opens, give me the boldness to walk through it and give me the words to share. Wouldn't that be great if hundreds of people were deployed in, in, in our county and around, wouldn't it? Because they know that our work matters to Jesus and Jesus matters to our work. Wow. Listen to what it says. We want to we have ministry work through the way that we live, the way we act, and the way that we speak. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Do you go to work every day realizing that I'm surrounded by people who don't know Jesus, and Jesus has put me in this place because he has a mission for me in this workplace to make him known? Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Are you careful with your words? Are you? Let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you will know how you should respond to each person. Lord, give me the wisdom to know how to respond to each person. Give me the wisdom to know how to speak in a way that would make other people want to know you. Ah. So there it is. This week, let's work for Jesus, okay? Uh, let me ask you as we think about that, who do you know? Who, who do you know that uh, really would love to hear what you've learned about today? Uh, who do you know who's maybe really discouraged about their work? That they're really down. Uh, who do you know who would love to hear what you've, what you've been taught? Won't you go to them? I mean, that person who thinks their work doesn't matter. And won't you just ask them, could I share with you what we learned in church on Sunday? And if they said yes, what we learned on church, in church on Sunday is that our work matters to Jesus. Your work matters. And not only that, but Jesus matters to your work. And if they say, well, well how? Then you can share with them, because I've taught you, right? You can do it. You can share with them about the ministry of work and to work and at work, right? Um, this week, work for Jesus. When you get up, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Pray, pray, pray. And then as you go, go with a big smile on your face because you know what? You know that our work matters to Jesus and Jesus matters to our work. And go and fulfill your threefold ministry, the ministry of work, using your gifts to serve others, the ministry to work. You're deployed there to renew the workplace, to give people a picture of heaven. And you're there for the ministry at work to speak in a way that would make others thirst to know Jesus. Let's pray.
Jesus, we're so glad you came to save sinners like us. We're so thankful that we're not saved by our good works, but we are saved for good works. Thank you. Listen, if you've never been saved, you've been trying to work your way into heaven and you'd like this gift of salvation, Jesus is here. Won't you put your faith in him? Won't you just tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry? And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and be my savior and forgive me of all my sins and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. If you've done that for the first time, won't you mark it on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you or tell someone. Lord, I pray that we would have learned today we're not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. Lord, help us to leave rejoicing that our work really, really does matter to you and you really do matter to our work. Oh, this week, may we fill up with your word and may we pray and, and may we go this week and, and carry out the ministry of work and, and to work and at work. Oh, Lord, how thankful we are to know that such a big part of our life really does matter to you. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.